No one has more hands-on insight into the homeless problem in Phoenix than Stacy Champion. With temperatures soaring past 115 degrees every day, deaths on the street are all but certain. Want to know how the city's doing to alleviate matters? I trust Stacy's observations more than anyone's. From KTAR News, this is The Think Tank, hosted by Dr. Mike O'Neill. Hey, Stacy, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I, I thought we would begin this, you know, it, what's been in the news, n- not just for since in the middle of the heat wave, but, mm-hmm. but really for a year or more, this homeless encampment, uh, I, I want you to, if you could set the context by saying how that developed. Now, as somebody who has watched this, but not as carefully as you, my sense was there's a, a group of social services that are delivered down in the neighborhood of the encampment, yep, which is right. just to the east of the state capitol. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I, I assume probably as a result of that, there was a little bit of vacant land or sidewalks and tents started to pop up. Is there more to the story than that, or it just seems to have been a spontaneous thing? Sure. So so this area is bordered by about Washington Street to Jackson, and then about 7th Avenue all the way over to 15th Avenue. So it's a pretty big area. And you have, you know, the Human Services Campus, which serves as kind of the umbrella. You have CAS, which is the largest shelter. You have different organizations who provide services to our unsheltered population. Um, I have been doing just kind of volunteer street outreach for over 15 years, probably at this point. And I can tell you that I have photos from 2016. Okay. Not terribly long ago where there are zero tents, zero tents. And it was possible at that time to say, put a breakfast burrito in every single person's hand. Um, those days are definitely long gone. Is that because the population has increased or because they've migrated to the area more concentrated? It is definitely more to the fact that past 2016, we saw a pretty substantial increase in rents. And we have not enough affordable housing. And so, and we also, Maricopa County has one of the highest eviction rates in the country. And so, you know, we have low wage jobs. We have, um, you know, kind of, we have the fentanyl opioid crisis. You have kind of this perfect storm. A lot of older folks living on fixed incomes, getting priced out of housing. And then COVID obviously kind of exacerbated it. But so, in, as of 2016, there were zero tents. And then it grew and grew and grew and grew to where, you know, now today there are over a thousand people, um, maybe a little less than that now because they've been clearing it out. But, you know, let's just say 700 to 1200 people over the last couple of years, probably that's on the streets outside of shelter. So it's it's become, you know, a a pretty big issue. Now, I want to ask you about something you alluded to just then, which is that the city sort of made a commitment. We're going to clear this out. But they said we're going to do this in a humane way. We're going to put people into appropriate services. Big question. What's really happening there? 
Well, okay. So, I mean, I think a lot of this push to clear people out came from the lawsuit that was filed by the surrounding businesses and homeowners who've just kind of had it. Mm. And you can't blame them. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're, if you, nobody wants to wake right. up and, and clean up human poop. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the reality of the situation. I know that's been one of your complaints all along this uh, absence of porta potties. Yes. Of, of bathrooms because mm. everyone, uh, and <laughs> even where they had them, you said that, I think you said they closed them at 11 at night or something. Yeah. Like it that. wasn't until, I mean, fairly recently mm-hmm that those folks even had 24-7 restrooms, mm-hmm. access to potable water. So there's been, in my opinion, um, not not enough from the city to, to stop it from growing into the problem that it mm-hmm. has become, and which is also a huge public health crisis. I mean, we, right now, this entire month haven't had any day below, you know, 100 degrees. and 110, I think it is. 110, yeah. yeah. Well, at nighttime, too, it's not cooling down. And not below. And it's not, much... Not below, not, nighttimes haven't gone below 90. That's the two mm-hmm. records. Number of days in a row, plus 110, and number of days in a row that we did not drop below 90. Right. Both at 20 days or Which is taxing to your body. And, and I will readily admit from spending so much kind of boots on the ground time over the years and over the summers, including last summer, it kicked my butt. And I haven't been going out like I used to because there were several times last summer where I was kind of scared for my own health. I almost fainted a couple of times. And you came from, I presume, an air-conditioned car and are only Mm -hmm. out there for a period of time. Yeah, I mean, we're talking, you know, I mean, I would be out there for several hours. Mm -hmm. um, But after several hours, I would feel like I was going to die, literally. And heat is cumulative on your body. And so it impacts your health. And so the the more you have heat exhaustion or, you know, the, the more susceptible you are to it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's gotten a little dangerous to where I feel like, you know, I still help and do everything I can, but I'm definitely not, I'm not 25 anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's safe to say that probably most people above the age of 40 have some underlying health condition. And I feel like it's better for me to stay alive <laughs> to fight mm-hmm. the good fight than you know, keel over, passing so out what water. what special efforts has the city made in terms of the heat surge? Oh, well, um, again, not enough, in my opinion. We have cooling centers that mainly close during the hottest times of the day. Um, they, cooling center, I mean, inside space? Inside air-conditioned air space for mm-hmm. people to cool down. That's Is that correct. down in that same area? They do have, you know, they're kind of all over. They're all over the city. There are places down there, but there's just, there's not enough indoor space. Mm -hmm. But so the city had been looking at, I guess, a property uh, down on Buckeye last fall. They had Mm -hmm. approved this. Buckeye is more of a, if in my sense, more industrial area. That's correct. Where they would probably get less resistance from neighbors. Yes, that's Mm -hmm. correct. But so they had been looking at and had gone into even contract, I think, with somebody Mm -hmm. to create structures at this property that they own. And then according to 
news reporting, there was uh, they discovered a, a methane uh, situation, some situation with this property, mm-hmm. and so then had to kind of shape shift, and now they, uh, I think, are are buying a state. I think it's it's either state or county owned piece of property, not very far away from where all the people are currently Mm -hmm. that they are calling structured air quotes Mm -hmm. uh, camping. Mm -hmm. But I don't know where that's at Mm -hmm. yet. What does structured camping mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, It's 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 a space in, you know, I guess they're going to have security there. They're going to have bathrooms Mm -hmm. and you know, um, some amenities there, but it's still people outside. Outside. Yes, correct. But but in terms of some things, a step up from where they are right now. Well, I mean, maybe for some people, mm. from a safety standpoint, Bathroom, probably. Safety, those, yeah. It's not everything. It's not nothing either. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So talk to me about the clear out. You know, the city said, all right, we're going to clear this out. But we're going to find appropriate alternatives for people. Um, your sense, since you're down there all the time. Well, I haven't uh, been down there as much mm-hmm. recently. But but what's your sense of what what's how that has gone? And uh, I mean, there was we, we can talk about it later. Your arrest and well, they've been yeah. they've been going just block by block, mm-hmm. um, and and every few weeks. And I think that that is because. There just are not enough shelter beds mm-hmm. for people. And so, you know, they they couldn't do it all in one swoop, I think, if mm-hmm. they wanted to, because there just wouldn't be enough places to put people. Mm-hmm. So they're apparently just going block by block. Um, I have heard from um, folks I know who do volunteer outreach that there are still people who are lose, losing their belongings which is why Phoenix PD is under invest part of the reason they're under investigation currently by the Department of Justice. So there may be people still losing their belongings. Mm-hmm. Um, people, I think, are being given a choice. You know, we have a shelter bed here. You can go or not, but you can't stay here. Mm-hmm. So they're just doing it block by block. And that block by block, are they offering spaces to the people that are being moved uh, on a block-by-block basis? They are, yeah, which is good. But again, we have this situation where there's such a lack of both affordable housing and Mm. also uh, property owners willing to take housing vouchers. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people who've been waiting for low-income housing on the Mm -hmm. list for three years. Mm -hmm. Um, As an example, there was an older woman uh, she's she's in her seventies. First, had never been homeless. Actually, I, I I found her the very first night she would have been on the street homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, helped her. It took her older, you know, senior woman with a little senior dog, no mental health issues, no drug addiction issues, just yep. poverty basically, and. Uh, it took almost a year to get her into low-income senior now, housing. Now, by housing, are you talking about the federal housing assistance program? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I mean, I can tell you something about that. I used to have briefly had a rental property, and somebody gave me one application for that once, and I looked at it, and it's about a half an inch thick. 
And yeah. I looked at that and said, you know, if I had a team of lawyers or something like that, and I had a thousand properties, that might be worth it. And I'd like to help, but my God, the the and you and you as a uh, landlord, you have to apply for that in advance. So deal with vacancy while you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and it just it. And and the sense was that, you know, some inspector is going to come over and, you know, look at every every nook and cranny and, you know, you're going to be dealing with that forever. Yeah. So uh, I think it's it's hard to find landlords who are willing to take it. Obviously, anything that has to do with bureaucracy mm-hmm. is... It's not, I'm sitting not there always fun. That, that right? The house that I live in, if they somebody wanted to do a rigorous inspection, the house that I live in, which is a nice house, probably wouldn't pass their inspection. Yeah, because they well, find something. Their, their their inspections may not be as uh, as as detailed as you. Well, as but, you but might it's the think, fear of it. The fear sure. of it is the issue. Yeah, you know, that, that somebody could come by and say, "You got to do this, this, and this," right. and it's and it's non-economic right. to do it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so the city has, um, I believe, if memory serves, started an incentive mm-hmm. program to to incentivize uh, landlords mm-hmm. to start taking more of these vouchers. I mean, my big takeaway was if you're a big conglomerate, Mm-hmm. And you've got lots of then you can then you can afford a team to do that if you're solo and you got one or two properties. Or sure, something, probably you're doesn't say, make oh, sense. Oh my, this is just too overwhelming. Yeah, it probably wouldn't make sense yeah. if you just have one or two. Yeah, and properties. I and I get the thing of it. You don't want to move some, you know, somebody into a property where the roof's going to fall down or it's not safe right. or it's roach infested or you know something really right. terrible. But just the size of the application was completely daunting. It's similar to once I remember I went I did this I was in Valley Leadership. Oh, One sure. day they gave us the application for food stamps. They said, "Will you fill this out and we'll give you breakfast?" Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and said, "I'll go hungry." Right. I I said this is, you know, and you know where this came from. You know, they want to make sure that if you get food stamps that you don't have any assets or anybody or anything anywhere. And as a result of it, you've got this document that's probably beyond the capacity of most people who are. Which means that it's probably filled out by a social worker somewhere. Right. Who is uh, who is. Eating up their time when they could be do something more useful, mm-hmm. but if you're going to try to qualify somebody for yep. some of these benefits, the there are a lot of a lot I, more hoops for people to jump through than I think I, a lot of people may kind realize. Of an argument for some of the private charities mm-hmm. because they don't have the kind of you know it's like when the government gives you something, there are folks who wrote into the law stuff. That you know, like the number one priority is to make sure nobody who isn't hundred percent totally needy gets anything. Right. You know. But the administrative cost of that is mind boggling, whereas a private charity, if they you know, you set up a food kitchen or something mm-hmm. and anybody who walks in there yeah. probably needy enough, you know. <laughs> well, and 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 back when there weren't any tents, I had this friend Michael who had a food truck and so every Tuesday morning and we would just kind of like crowdfund for all the supplies. Mm-hmm. Uh he he would have his his team make mm-hmm. the breakfast burritos and then I would bring my team down and we would pass them out and mm-hmm. uh and and there are some people who don't appreciate that either. 
though, but I think all of those Meaning things. Meaning the neighbors or. Not even that. I think at the, at the time it was, you know, oh, you're going to keep people homeless if you feed them You're a breakfast make burrito be too too attractive which is really absolutely not the case yeah i can assure you, you know, but you sat out in the heat today or or the rain in the winter or yeah i mean it's uh it's it's such a complex issue right so it's i don't think there's a there's not a one size fits all approach. Just mm-hmm. just like if you take any one of those pieces, if you take the fentanyl opioid crisis, mm-hmm. any of those pieces, you're going to have, you know, layers of solutions mm-hmm. for it. Um, the problem that I have with the city is that, in my opinion, the city tends to be reactive versus proactive. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are always kind of a lot of that low-hanging fruit and and more creative solutions that you probably just aren't going to get out of government kind of in general mm-hmm. that frustrates me. Well, government me. has this requirement, typically legally mandated, you have to make sure somebody's really needy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to treat everybody equally, which is a good value. But, but on the other hand, a private... And to can have somebody in front of them and can help them mm-hmm. as opposed to surveying everybody else in line. And how do we, you know, well, it, 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 right. there's an like, efficiency just to be able to see something and fix and it. And also stupid barriers, too. Like, as an example, uh, Casey, that senior woman who mm-hmm. with the little dog who I helped that night. And she was in a wheelchair, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Little, little old dog. Um, that first night when I helped her, you know, kind of go try to get a shelter bed because the dog didn't have, she didn't have the paperwork Mm -hmm. for the dog shots, even Mm -hmm. though the dog had tags, which would mean that the dog, I mean, the tags were current, right? But because she did not have the paperwork for the dog shots, they couldn't Give her a bed, and you and you see the, the dilemma. I mean, is there is, is just, a there is a certain logic to that. You don't want a rabid dog in a shelter. Right? Sure, you don't want a rabid <laughs> dog in a shelter. I right. get that, yeah. but also if the dog has tags that mm-hmm. are current, it's pretty safe to make the assumption that mm-hmm. this terrified little dog mm-hmm. with current tags is not going to pose a, a, a danger. A big yeah. yes. And especially if you can leash him to a wheelchair, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's just and and their only answer for her was like, oh, sorry, like mm-hmm. go sleep on the street. And she would have been an easy mark. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody would have stolen her purse. Somebody would have stolen her phone. I mean, you know, 70 something year old woman in a wheelchair with a little dog who's never been on the streets before. Mm-hmm. And so lacking street savvy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I ended up loading them up in my car and going and, and putting her in a hotel room till I got her dialed into services. But I mean, that's it, things like that that are just kind of ridiculous. And then I just, you know, I mean, there are things like you have the city of Phoenix who is um, passed out general property lease excise tax uh, giplets mm-hmm. to you know, luxury developers, yet, you know, hasn't necessarily incentivized affordable housing. There's just a lot of things. So 
you've been down there as much as I think it has much insight as anybody. What would you do? Well, I mean, I would definitely do more to get people cooled down. I mean, we broke our heat death record last year. We had 425 people in Maricopa County who died. Um, The number of unsheltered people dying for all number of reasons is, I mean, through the roof. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would I would do more to get people into air conditioned space, Mm -hmm. whether it's even portable, you know, cooling tents to get people's core body temps Mm -hmm. down or something. Um, But I mean, that's the starting point is what's critical, trying to make sure people Mm -hmm. aren't dropping dead on the street. A component of that, I know, is mental health. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there people, the sense I've had is there are people actually turning down shelter when it's offered. I mean, sure. I think you're you're mm-hmm. always going to see some of that mm-hmm. happen, and, and and we and you know, I think back some years ago that some of the cause of this is a, again for that segment only mm-hmm. is attributed to instant. Some of these folks are people who, in prior decades, would have been institutionalized for mental health issues, and then there was a change in the law saying you can't do that coercively. Mm-hmm. Did that law go too far? I mean, no, there are people out there who just really can't handle themselves. I mean, I'm sure you're going to see that mm-hmm. um, anywhere, right? And I think that there are mm-hmm. a lot of different, again, factors that play into that. I mean, the heat <laughs> being mm-hmm. one of them and what the heat can do to your body. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's hard for people maybe to get their medication. It's mm-hmm. There's all the different pieces. I don't think there's an easy answer for mm-hmm. it. Do I think that we should... You know, lock everybody up. No, not necessarily. But but I also think that, you know, you should have more uh, services, especially for those who uh, pose a risk to both themselves and potentially others. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have people Mm -hmm. who are dangerous. Um, The city and the county have claimed that they've moved to a policy of housing first. Uh, that is that people have multiple problems, uh, whether it be drugs or unemployment and just plain poverty, that they've moved to a model. They say we're we're going to get people housing first and then address the other problems. Have they followed through on that? I don't think you can follow through on that when you don't have the the housing, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you don't. So it's resources. If you, have, if you don't have even the transitional housing, right? Even the, the I mean, they don't even have enough emergency shelter beds. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have enough shelter beds, you don't have enough transitional housing, you certainly don't have enough housing. Mm-hmm. How do you even implement that model? Mm-hmm. Tell us what you're doing down there right now and and how people can contact you if they'd like. Well, I mainly this summer have been just kind of doing things around my neighborhood and helping push people the way of Andre House, which is an organization I think does very good work down there. And some of the street feet on the street Mm -hmm. people. Um, I know some folks who are out passing out. I mean, I don't even know how many thousands of pounds of ice at this point Mm -hmm. they've been passing out down there. So, like I said, I have been a little protective of my own health Mm -hmm. uh, this summer because I'm not going to be any good to anyone if I 
keel over and die. So Mm -hmm. I'm being a little more cautious. My uh, daughter and I sometimes go out and pass out, you know, cooling towels and uh, frozen water. I keep stuff in my car Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, But I'm definitely, I'm not as boots on the ground this summer as I have been in years past. And thankfully, there seem to be a lot more people than when uh, when I was one of the only people I would see. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to help, what should they, what would be your advice? What should they do? I mean, I think that Andre House is a really great organization. Mm-hmm. They f- are feeding people every day. They help take care of everyone without judgment. And they're one of my favorite organizations down there. Very good. Thank you very much, Stacey. You are so welcome. Thank you You're so much for having back me. here anytime. Thank Tell, you. Keep us informed. Yeah, thanks. You can reach me at the website, mikeoneal.org, which will connect you into social media, email, or other means of contacting me. See you next week in the Think Tank. Mm-hmm.